0: listening to Books Are My People, a podcast for book lovers with book news, book recommendations, and ruminations on living a literary life in Los Angeles. And this is episode nine. So hello, how is everyone's fall going? Our fall in LA has been very, very hot, and it's supposed to get hotter next week. It's supposed to be in the 90s, which is just redonkulous. I waited until the last minute to record this podcast because it's been crazy busy, so I am recording with two children in the house, so there might be a little more background noise than usual. In rapid chicken news, we had to say goodbye to our beloved pet, Silky. Uh, Everything's fine with her. Um, I talked about her on episode 8 because she was infirm, she's totally healthy and fine now, but it turns out that she is in fact a he, and began crowing, and in an effort to be a good neighbor, we relocated her to a farm. So fare thee well, silky chicken. The 2019 Discover Pod Awards are happening. You can vote for your favorite podcast up until October 22nd, which is tomorrow. So if you enjoy listening to me, Uh, you can vote for me, especially in the new podcast category. And I will leave a link in the show notes about how to do that. And it would be so appreciated. Time for some bookish news. I read an article recently about how they are trying out some dog-friendly libraries in Scotland. So, three libraries in Edinburgh are opening their doors to allow dogs on uh, dog-friendly Thursdays, and they found that it really helps people struggling with loneliness, and it keeps people from having to tie up their dogs and leave them alone um, in front of the library when they go to pick up their books. So. I would absolutely love it if my library allowed this. I don't leave my dog tied up unsupervised. She's too cute and I think people will kidnap her. I tend to like the idea of being able to take your dog most places. It's a little rampantly out of control in Los Angeles. I was at a noodle restaurant a little while ago and there was a dog in there um, just barking the entire meal. So That was taking it a little too far. And I do have empathy for people who have serious dog allergies. But the libraries in Edinburgh ensure their patrons that there are 23 other libraries that they can go to if they do not enjoy dog-friendly Thursdays. So in episode eight, I talked about the book, The Arrangement by Robin Harding, and I was recently recommended to watch a TV show called The Girlfriend Experience based on a movie by Steven Soderbergh. Um, I haven't seen the movie, but I did watch the first season of The Girlfriend Experience, and it really reminded me of the book, The Arrangement. So I wanted to throw it out there in case you had read that book and enjoyed it. This might make a nice companion TV show. It has a similar premise, and it stars Riley Keo, who happens to be Elvis's granddaughter. Just as a warning, the show is super dark and has very mature content, just so you know that, before you watch it. There are a ton of movies and TV shows coming out based on books that I am looking forward to seeing. I am curious if anyone saw the goldfinch i feel like it came and went without much fanfare did anyone see it let me know i'm also looking forward to seeing uh mrs fletcher which is coming to hbo in a tv series is it a tv series or a movie i think it's a tv series and this is based on tom perotta's novel mrs fletcher Tom Perota is the author of the novel Little Children and many other novels, and the show will star one of my favorite actresses, Katherine Hahn, who was also in Transparent. There is also a Netflix adaptation of Susanna Jones's The Earthquake Bird, and guess who's in that as well? Elvis's granddaughter. I recently read The Earthquake Bird. I think I'm going to wait to talk about it on another episode, but... I really liked it. I'm also looking forward to Jojo Rabbit, which is a movie coming out in November, and that is based on Caging Skies, which I have ordered from the library, but I have not yet read it. And it's about a young Nazi who discovers that his parents are hiding a Jewish girl in their home. So I'm going to have to find some serious screen time set aside to watch all these movies and TV shows. So last night, I finally got around to watching the Booker Prize, which aired on the BBC. Um, It was just a very quick half-hour version of the show. There was something a little odd about watching a book award show as opposed to any other kind of entertainment award show. Uh, It was not highly produced. There were some very regal shots of all of the nominees, um, except for poor Margaret Atwood. They just... Panned to her, and she was eating a salad in not the most graceful way, which is not her fault because I don't think anyone looks particularly great when they're eating salad, but it was just an unfortunate shot. By now, you've probably heard the Booker News that the judges broke with tradition and actually broke their own rules. Um, Their rules stated that only one person can win the prize. It used to be that they did split it, or there were some instances of them splitting the awards, and they decided to uh, only award it to one writer. But this year, they decided to break their own rule and award the booker to two authors. They gave it to Margaret Atwood for The Testaments, and they gave it to Bernadine Evanisto for Girl, Woman, Other. And this caused a little bit of a stir in the book community. Um, mostly because Bernadine Evanisto is the first black woman to win the Booker. And people felt like, you know, why couldn't she just have had this to herself, have this moment alter herself and not have to share it with someone else. So it does mean that they share the spotlight. Of course, they share the prize, but they also have to share the prize money. Now it's time to talk about the books. So this week I'm doing things a little bit differently. I am going to have a themed week since I'm not going to be recording another podcast until after Halloween I decided to compile my favorite dark suspenseful books to share with you this week and before you press stop because that's not your jam I did work really hard to pick very different kinds of books. So my first pick is one of my favorite books, or at least top 20 favorite books, and it is We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson, and it was originally published in 1961, um, and it absolutely still holds up today, and it is a brief book. It's 146 pages, and it's a classic, gothic, dark novel. There isn't anything... Supernatural here, but you feel like you're definitely a whisper away from the supernatural. The story is about a family, um, and the main character is Maricat, whose full name is Mary Catherine, and she's 18 and very independent and worldly, and her older sister Constance is the opposite. She never wants to leave her home. She never goes past the garden um, and they live in a big estate and she never leaves. And these two sisters are the last surviving family members um, because the rest of the family was wiped out when someone placed arsenic in the sugar bowl. And uh, the family sprinkled it on their dessert and they all passed away, except for the two sisters, Maricat and Constance, and their uncle Julian, who definitely ate some of the arsenic. So he was poisoned with the rest of them, but he survived because he only uh, ate a little bit of the sugar. So this sort of mythology has grown around the family and all the townspeople talk about them. and wonder what is happening up at the estate. And they also like to guess about who really committed the murder. You know, there's three family members left. Which one was it? Maricat is the only family member who goes into town. She doesn't do it very often, but she's the one who leaves the confines of the home to get groceries and she gets books from the library. And here, The the cruel world greets her. Children have rhymes about her and the family. And it's not easy being Maricat and having this family story follow her around. So the story kind of takes off when cousin Charles arrives one day, and he is asking a lot of questions and probing into what really happened that night. And I think the house itself really takes on its own character in the book. If you enjoyed Grey Gardens, um, either the documentary or the TV show, I think you would enjoy the book. It's similar in tone. It's, It's quite sad and funny at the same time. And again, that is We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson. My next pick is See What I Have Done by Sarah Schmidt. And this came out in August of 2017. This is historical fiction, and it is a fictionalization of Lizzie Borden's story. You'll recall Lizzie Borden is the one who axed her parents. Um, And what I didn't realize, because I didn't know much about the story, is that I had always thought that Lizzie Borden was a kid, and that was sort of the mystique of the Lizzie Borden story, is that a child ax-murdered their parents Um, but in fact Lizzie Borden was in her 30s which I did not realize and was surprised to learn. So we are taken back in time to the murder in Massachusetts. We're taken into the home and the police are searching for clues and we're told this story through four different narrators. So there's Lizzie Borden and her older sister Emma And we also get to hear from the maid, Bridget, and a stranger named Benjamin, who is linked to the family. The book explores all of the possible theories related to the killings. You really get insight into Lizzie Borden's uh, mental state during the time she was full of resentment for many of her family members. And again, that is See What I Have Done by Sarah Schmidt. Next up is a super suspenseful book called No Exit by Taylor Adams. It's definitely a page-turning thriller, and I suggest not reading this if you happen to be alone on a road trip. This is a novel about a college student named Darby, and she is on her way to visit her mother who is dying of cancer. So she's on the way to the hospital to possibly say her last goodbyes to her mom. And she's driving alone at night and she gets caught in a blizzard in the mountains of Colorado. And she just can't drive anymore. So she has to wait it out. And she pulls over to a remote highway rest stop and It's one of those rest stops where there's not much there. There's a room and there's vending machines and some coffee. And there also happens to be four strangers there as well who are just riding out the storm. She's trying to find a cell signal so that she can call her mom um, and let her know she's coming. She wants to call her sister who can tell her mom that she's on her way. So she goes back outside into the storm because there's no reception in room that they're in. Um, And she makes a chilling discovery, which is in the back of a van that's parked next to her car, there's a little girl who is locked in an animal crate. So of course, this makes her think, you know, who is this child? And who has she been taken from? And most importantly, how can Darby save this girl? Because they're really isolated, there's no cell phone reception, and there's nowhere to go. Um, And so she knows that there are four people back in this room waiting out the storm and one of them is the kidnapper. So she needs to figure out who did this and what she can do to help the girl. It's definitely suspenseful and super creepy. If you are into that kind of thing, then this is the book for you. That is No Exit by Taylor Adams. I am adding a bonus book this week. We're going to get six books total because I was telling my 10-year-old about the theme of this week and how I was doing sort of a spooky Halloween theme. And he said to me, well, are you going to talk about Benicula? And I said, no, that was not on the roster. And he insisted that I talk about Benicula, which is a book we are currently reading together. So as a promise to him, here we go. I'm going to tell you about Benicula, which is a children's chapter book. It's a very fast read, and it's written by a husband and wife duo Deborah and James Howe. And there's also a full series of books after this one, if your kids like it. Um, Deborah passed away, and James Howe continued writing the series solo. Um, And it is about a family who has uh, two sons, and a dog and a cat and they come home one day after seeing a vampire movie and they've discovered a bunny at the movie theater and they decide to take this bunny home and adopt it and they're very excited about the bunny and the dog and the cat we get the story from the dog's point of view the cat starts noticing peculiar things involving the rabbit for example the rabbit has fangs and the rabbit has a mysterious V-marking on its forehead. And probably one of the most peculiar mysteries is that at night, uh, someone or something, they think it's the bunny, is going to the refrigerator and draining the vegetables of all color. So when the family wakes up in the morning, all of their vegetables in the fridge are pale. And so the cat believes that the bunny is doing this and it's because the bunny is a vampire. So this is one of those chapter books where if your child is maybe interested in a little bit of suspense, like a little bit of a ghost story, it's pretty light on the scary. It gives the idea of scary, but things really aren't that scary, but I do remember I've I've read this to my kids multiple times and I remember the first year I read it to them. Um, my youngest definitely insisted on sleeping with garlic in his bedroom for the duration of the read. But it's a very cute bunny vampire story. And like I said, if your kids are into this, there are many other books uh, that follow the story of Bunnicula. My next book is called Confessions by Kane Minato, and this was published in 2014 I had a really hard time deciding which Kine Minato book to select because uh, there's Confessions and then there's Penance and those are the two works of hers I believe the only two that have been translated into English and I loved both of them so much but I decided to go with Confessions. So this book apparently was the Gone Girl of Japan when it came out. It was wildly popular and it was also turned into a movie which I have not seen but I'm definitely interested in seeing it The protagonist is Yuko, and she is a single mother to a four-year-old girl named Manami, and she is also a middle school science teacher. And Manami has a horrible accident in the novel. She drowns in an accident at the school swimming pool, and Yuko is so upset and bereaved, and she discovers that it actually wasn't an accident, but her daughter was murdered. So She decides to get even. So it's a very interesting structure. You get to hear the story from many different points of views. Yuko is just one of many voices. A lot of the other voices are students um, in her class, students at the school, and The narrator does a great job sort of manipulating the reader and you think for sure you're aligned with one student or one character in the novel and then you read the next person's story and you're like, oh my god, I was totally bamboozled by this. And I think it's also just a very chilling tale to see an adult who is taking revenge on children. There are many different non-traditional formats used in the telling of this story. There is a diary entry and a letter and a speech and even a manifesto from a website. And I think that all of those really lend themselves to this very confessional tone to the novel, which again is called Confessions by Kanae Minato. And my last pick is a slender short story collection called An Elderly Lady is Up to No Good by Helen Turston, and it has the cutest cover ever. It's cross-stitched, but it's sort of cross-stitched skull and crossbones because, of course, it is a little bit dark. This is absolute dark comedy at its finest. It's a short story collection with connected stories, and I feel like this would make the perfect stocking stuffer for the right recipient. That recipient was my father last year. All of the stories in this book revolve around 88-year-old Maud, who is a Swedish woman with no family, and she has no friends, and she has a little issue with murder. She has been living rent-free in her family's very nice apartment um, since her father died, so for a very long time. She is very set in her ways and enjoys her solitary existence and has for a long time, but when the local police are called to investigate a dead body found in her apartment, uh, things take a little turn for her. She is the kind of character who's always outsmarting everyone, and you get to see her judgments about everyone she crosses paths with. I thought it was laugh-out-loud funny. And you also see how she is a grandmaster at manipulation. She kind of plays into the idea of just an out-of-it, quirky, elderly woman. And that's why no one suspects that she is capable of the things she does in the book. And again, that is An Elderly Lady is Up to No Good by Helen Turston. And that concludes our themed podcast today. Up next, I am reading Fever, which is a novel by Mary Beth who who is also the author of Ask Again Yes. And that is it. As always, all of the books are listed in the show notes section of this podcast, or you can visit booksaremypeople.com. If you like what you hear, please take a moment and rate the show on iTunes so that other listeners can find me. I will be back in 14 days, and I hope you all have a wonderfully bookish week and a happy Halloween.